0: chapter 10 uh, and um, it's a prophecy here uh, but but it's also a a, uh, something that we can do but it says here in chapter 10 verse 1 says ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain so the Lord may make uh, shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain and everyone grass in the field and so of course uh, this is a prophecy Uh, it's not just talking about natural rain it's also talking about the rain of the holy spirit right uh, send the rain of the holy spirit uh and so the lord is instructing his people to ask of the lord rain in the time of the latter rain so even if, even though it should be time for the spirit of god to to fall upon the earth and to have great revival the lord still asks us to ask right and so uh, many times the lord is not able to come and do things because his people have not asked uh and uh and then i wanted to read a companion verse over in James chapter 5, uh, it says in verse uh, 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Uh, and, um, and, of course, he calls all the people outside the church the precious fruit of the earth. Amen. He calls them fruit, right? So the fruit should be uh, uh, reaped in a, in a harvest. And, of course, Jesus said that the, that the uh, harvest is plenteous, but the workers are few. Uh, and so, uh, so he, and he calls them precious. I like the way he calls them precious fruit, right? And so that it should help you. You know, you think about all these people that are lost that are outside the church of the Lord Jesus. Uh, the Lord calls them precious fruit. Amen. So they're not uh, just terrible sinners, which they may be, right? Uh, the Lord looks at them and sees them as fruit. Uh, and so if he does, then we should. Uh, but he also says uh, that we, that he's waiting to receive the early and the latter of rain. Uh, and, and, of course, Zechariah told us to pray for the latter of rain. And I believe that, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, of course, th- there's different opinions about that, and I think uh, some of them have uh, value as well. But my opinion is the early rain was the rain of, of uh, um, the Lord Jesus when he was on the earth, and he was doing signs and wonders and miracles. And then uh, the latter reign uh, was really when he brought in the teaching uh, gifts back into the church, really the charismatic renewal in the 60s and 70s. And yet we've never seen those two reigns come together. And I believe that the last revival was when we'll see those two reigns come together, when we see uh, the signs and wonders and miracles. But we also have uh, the church founded upon the Word of God. And it seems like the church always gets in one ditch or the other. Either we, we only have the move of God and we swing from the chandeliers uh, and that's all wonderful, but we don't uh, have any sound teaching, or we're, all we do is, uh, is is dry, boring book reports, uh, and there's no move of God, uh, and uh, the Lord desires for those two things to come together. Amen? Uh, and the church always seems to have a hard time being stable uh, with the Word of God, and but allow the Spirit of God to move. It seems like we, we just get into a ditch in those things, and so we have to uh, it, re- it requires effort on our part to, to be, uh, to have the wisdom to allow those two things to come together. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but sometimes the people push the ministry where we only want to see, you know, spectacular things. Sometimes the people push the ministry that we don't want any spectacular things. We only want book reports every Sunday. And so, uh, so you have to find, you know, you have to bring everybody together. Amen. And move in the same direction. Uh, and be uni- unified in desiring of uh, the Spirit of God to speak to us supernaturally from the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, supernaturally to move among us. Amen. Uh, and so, so I believe that's the form and the latter reign. rain. Uh, again, I, you know, there's different ways you can look at that. Uh, but the Lord, uh, uh, it seems uh, the church has had a hard time bringing those two things together. Jesus really had those two things going together. Uh, but uh, we've never seen those two things in the church Uh, together the way i've seen it amen the way that i believe the lord wants us to have it so Uh, but we can get there amen i believe we can get there and he said so he said to ask so it's our responsibility to ask lord send the rain right we know we have the holy spirit in us right but the the rain implies the move of god and and we want the move of god uh operating in our church amen and not just through the ministry uh through the pastor but uh everybody right if you have the spirit of god in you then the move of God can operate through you and you can see signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute and we'll get into praise and worship. Father, even, Father, before we knew you, knew you, you were faithful to watch over us help us, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you that you assigned your angels over our lives, Father. To watch us and shepherd us into the kingdom of heaven. Father, to keep your mercy upon us even when we were outside of your kingdom. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and kindness. For your mercy, Father. We thank you, Lord. Father, we're so thankful that you've shown yourself faithful. And, Father, as the the song said, that we take you at your word. Father, you are a man of your word. You speak your word, Father. And it never falls to the ground unanswered. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We give you all praise and honor for the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. You know, if you, if you could meditate just on how faithful the Lord has been, you know, it really uh, caused you to, for joy to rise up in your heart. Amen. Know that he's been faithful. and. Um, you know, he's not holding things against you. He's trying to get things to you. Amen. Uh, and so we appreciate the Lord's goodness and kindness in that. Amen. Um, and so we, we have been um, our, our, um, our title for the message for this week. We, we started it. Uh, was it last week? I guess uh, about how bad do you want it? Right. Uh, and um, I wanted to read a verse here before we get into some other examples. The Lord just put it on my heart to show some examples of people that were unwilling to quit uh, uh, until they got the answer that they needed. Uh, and um, here in Matthew chapter 7, of course, we mentioned this uh, earlier a little bit there, uh, but it says in verse 7, uh, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth, he that seeketh, findeth, to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Uh, and then he goes on and talks about uh, the verse we mentioned this morning before service in verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so your father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him? So if you ever hear people say, just a small aside, but if you ever hear people say, well, God's ways are higher than our ways, that's not what he said right here. He said, my ways are just like your ways, they're just better. Uh, and, and so uh, they're, not, they're not different than your ways, because if he said, my way, if he said that if you, uh, being, uh, if you being evil, right, or not uh, as good like I am, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more should your father. So he's using natural illustrations to say, if you want to know what good is, we'll look at a good father, right? If you, the, a good father would give good gifts to his children. So use that as an, and he said, that's the way I am, except I'm better. So if God was putting sickness and disease on us, would any good father do that to his child? You know, I was wanting to teach my child, so I put the plague on him to see, you know, if he would do his homework better. Uh, and, you know, he, an arm fell off, you know, and, and uh, he's in recovery right now, but he's going to make it, uh, but he's, you know, he's sick right now. Uh, what would you think about that father? If that person needs to be arrested uh, and, and uh, severely punished, right? Uh, well, nobody would think, well, that's a, that's a great father, right? Chain his child up to, in a basement uh, and, and um, teach him a lesson. That's a good father. No, nobody would say that, right? We arrest people like that for good reason, amen? And so uh, a lot of times people say, well, God's ways are so different, you know, that, that, that we may do one thing here that we think is good, but God's way is good, and, but it's nothing like we would do. That's not what he said. Uh, and, and so you can't get around verse 11. Uh, but for today, uh, I wanted to, to uh, bring up verse 7 there, asking it shall be given unto you, seeking you'll find, knocking shall be opened unto you. He didn't say ask in the second you ask, it'll be given unto you. He didn't say seek, you know, seeking, uh, you know seeking is not you know well I just went not ever picked it up no seeking is you're looking for it right uh, the other day I, w- I was doing some work and I drove my truck and, and um, uh, then I was getting ready to leave and I couldn't find my keys well I, I didn't just go over and look at one place for them and, and, uh, and then gave up right because I did go look at one place they weren't there I went to another place they're there you know they're supposed to be they're, uh, they're supposed to be like right there right because that's where I, when I put my keys they're right there right and they weren't there and when they weren't there, I'm like, well, why are they not there? Uh, and nobody else is around, just me. And, and, and uh, I just about called Chris. Uh, and, and finally, uh, I actually stuck him in a pocket I've, I've of these, you know, uh, these, these, uh, all these pockets, you know, because you need more than one, five pockets, right? And men, you know, got to have eight, ten pockets, right? And I put them in a pocket I don't ever put them in. Uh, but anyway, I found it. But I had to seek for them. Amen. I didn't just look one place and it's like, oh, I guess they're gone forever, right? You know, some people do that, Right. Uh, they they ask the Lord. Well, he didn't answer me. Well, how long did you wait? Well, I mean, like minutes. I mean, it's like like five minutes. You know, maybe six. I mean, it might have been like eight, it might have been eight minutes. I don't know. And I gave it up. Uh, he didn't he didn't promise how long it would take because uh, what we find by example in the Word of God, right? We find examples where the Lord needs to see your faith. And when He was dealing with the Syrophoenician woman, uh, that we mentioned last week there, right, uh, in Matthew 15. Uh, the first time that she asked, he didn't even answer her. Didn't even respond, didn't acknowledge her existence. Uh, and of course, her case was unique because she was not a, a member of the household of Israel, right? She was not a covenant member of the household of Israel. So he had to wait to see her faith. Well, doesn't he know a faith? He, he knew whether she had faith or not, but he still needed her to express it. And what did he say at the end? Woman, what? Great is thy faith. But see, uh, she had to press in. She, had to, she wanted it bad enough that she was, she was unwilling to be offended when he didn't answer. She was unwilling to leave when the disciple said, Master, send her away. She was unwilling to quit when he called her a dog. He, she was unwilling to say, oh, I'm sorry to bother you when he said, you know, I'm not sent to help you. I'm sent to help other people. No, nothing deterred her. Nothing. She stayed the course uh, regardless of, of what the circumstances on the outside of her because she had a goal in mind. And Christians. Uh, Sometimes we have the we got the the weakest backbone of any people in the world, right? Uh, we just well, Lord, I, you know I waited a day for you and nothing happened, so I guess I'm going to go do it on my own. Uh, and yet we don't see that. Uh, he, he, but see, we, we have to go back to verse seven. He said, "I I will I will uh, give to you that which you ask." But how bad do you want it? Well, I just I just asked a little bit, you know, and he you know he didn't answer. And he's like, well, I was going to answer you, but it was going to be next week when I answered you. You know, maybe, you know, some things. Remember, Abraham, how long was it from the time of the promise of Abraham until he received uh, 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 Isaac? It was 25 years. You, you want to wait 25 years? I mean, there are some promises that, that he's going to tell you. And he's planning on, yeah, I'm planning on that 25 years from now. Well, why, why don't you just tell me, you know, 24 years? Well, because you need to stay the course of faith, right? Uh, Because other people, you know, he might have adopted kids, right? Uh, Between now and then, uh, you know, he might have done other things and just, you know, uh, done things where he couldn't have kids anymore. He might have done other other things that would get him outside the the plan. And so the Lord said, "Well, here's the plan. I'm going to give you a son." But but the Lord did the Lord tell him it's going to be 25 years? No, the Lord is under no obligation to tell you anything. And and now, uh, if Abraham had asked, how long would it be? You know, the Lord might have had to answer that because he said, "Ask and you'll receive." But, the, but Abraham never asked, right? And so that's, that's you know, neither here nor there. Uh, there's some things in, in the Lord's plan that, uh, that he'll get to it when he gets to it. But how do you want it bad enough to stay the course? See, Abraham stayed the course all this time. You know, He did go visit uh, Hagar for a little while and got off course there a little bit. Uh, but still, the, the thing that we need to believe is if, these verses, if verse seven is true, I will always get my answer. That's the thing you have to get settled in your heart. I will get the answer. What if I don't get the answer today? It doesn't matter. I'm getting the answer. and that, That's the part where Christians need to need a bit settled in their hearts. I'm getting the answer. I'm asking and I'm receiving. I'm seeking. I'm going to find it, right? There, there's revelations in the, in the Word of God. I'll read a verse, Lord. I don't know what that means. Now, you ever read a verse like that, don't know what it means? And Lord, I, I, I don't know what that means. Well, sometimes I'll know immediately, but sometimes uh, I don't get it immediately. I've got to go back. Lord, I still want to know what that means. I want to know what that means. Uh, and I'll go back again. Sometimes it's days, weeks, or months. Sometimes even years about things. Uh, Lord, I want to know what that means. Uh, but see, I have confidence I will know what it means. I'm going to seek and I'm going to find it. Amen. Uh, knock and the door will be open to you. Uh, you know, there are just things that uh, you know in your heart that you're supposed to be doing. But sometimes there's obstacles. Uh, and, but you've got to stay the course. You know, sometimes people know. Uh, I You know, uh, I've had people uh, come up and, and say, well, I, you know, let, let I'm praying for this job. Okay, that's great. And the next day, well, I didn't get the job. I guess, and then I'll say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will that I got the job. And so then I've got questions, right? Well, okay, well, let me ask, well, did you know it was God's will before? Or were you just hoping it was God's will? See, if you don't know, then, then what are you praying for anyway, right? Because you only pray the will of God. You don't pray, and, and well, Lord, if, if, cause here, here's what we do in the church many times. If it's God's will, he'll give it to me. Yeah, but the problem with that statement is uh, we're New Testament Christians. Yeah. We have the Almighty, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God living on the inside of us. He said he would lead us and guide us into all truth and show us things to come. So you should know the will of God. He said in, in, in Colossians 1, nine that he would fill you with the real knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said in, in uh, uh, Ephesians 5.17, uh, be not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so it's your responsibility to find the will of God. So you don't to go pray, well, if it's, the, if it's God's will, how is that faith? That's not a statement of faith. Faith says, this is what the will of God is, I'm going to receive the will of God. Faith is not like, I don't know what the will of God is, I might get something. Well, how is that faith? There's no faith in that. Faith is a, is a very deterministic thing. Faith says, this is the promise, I will receive the promise into my life. Whatever the promise is, if it's healing, or a sound mind, or deliverance, or whatever the promise is... If the Word of God gives it to me, faith says, that I will get that promise. Faith says in verse 7, ask and it will be, be given unto you. Faith says, okay, then when I ask, it's going to be given unto me. People sometimes say, well, it's faith. Well, I ask, uh, and sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. Uh, is that what it says? Ask and maybe you'll get it. How could you have faith in ask and maybe you'll get it? What would you have faith to? What would you apply faith? Because faith says, if you said it, then I, then I get that promise. And so if the promise is, ask, and it shall be given unto you, then, then that's the promise. Then, then if I ask, then it will be given unto me. Amen? Now, you look at the whole counsel of God, uh, you've got to understand that uh, you've got to ask correctly, right? Because James says you ask uh, and receive not because you ask amiss or you ask incorrectly, right? So there is a case where if you're in error, you may not, you may not receive, right? But it's never on God's side, because sometimes God says, well, well, I asked, and I did nothing wrong, and God just decided not to answer me. That scenario has never happened in the history of humanity. Uh, it has happened where men have asked and not received. Uh, and, and if you'll go back and ask the Lord, well, why did, you, why did I not receive, Lord? He said, because you asked amiss. You asked with the wrong attitude. You asked for, uh, just to elevate your pride or to, to show people how important you were to, to receive glory unto yourself, whatever reason may be, right? But it's never on God's side. And that's where you've got to get settled in your heart because the promise of God says you ask and you'll receive. So, and there's no wiggle room, right? There's no God in heaven deciding, well, I just, I just didn't feel like it. You know, I was having a bad Monday. You know, we were out, you know, having a, a big party on su- Sunday and I came on a Monday with all these prayer requests. You know, I, I, just, I, I didn't feel like doing it. No, just the answer is no. That's never happened, right? God's not that way. Well, you're that way, right? I'm that way, but the God's not that way. And so the promise says, ask and it shall be given unto you. So that's what you've got to set your anchor on. Your anchor is, I'm getting the answer. And see, if I don't get the answer, I may go to the Lord and say, Lord, it's been, it's been a, a month or two or whatever, however long it is. Is there anything I'm doing that, that's hindering you answering my request? See, I want to know if there's anything I need to do differently. And the Lord may be like, no, you're fine. Okay, Lord, I'm going to stay the course. I will get the answer. Uh, you know, I, I, I told you one time I had, uh, I had uh, some pain in my, my right my right uh, shoulder, uh, and, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't get, people get afraid of like Oh, it could be anything, right? It could be cancer, you know, it could be whatever. You know what I think it is? Nothing. It's just a thing, right? Uh, and so I didn't think anything about it. Well, about a month or two later, uh, it's still hurting my, my left elbow, my left shoulder started hurting me. Uh, and, uh, and, and it got to where I couldn't raise my hands up, right? Well, you know, you are going to raise your hands at praise and worship, but people, oh, look at him, he's just, he's just so subtle right there, just because I couldn't raise my arms up, right? And so, uh, so I had my normal uh, physical with the doctor, and, and I, I didn't know what it was, you know, and so he said anything, and I said, well, yeah, I've got this thing, you know, going on my shoulders, and, uh, and he asked me, you know, this and that, you know, what about this, what about that, you know, and, uh, and he said, well, he said, uh, it's probably arthritis, and and, um, I said, oh, well, it's just arthritis, you know. Uh, He said, don't say it's just arthritis. Arthritis is a serious disease. Well, that's from his perspective. From God's perspective, it's just arthritis, right? Uh, And so I'm never, oh, it's arthritis. It says, okay, I got a name. If I got a name, then, then every name is under the name of Jesus, right? At his name, every knee shall bow. Amen. And so now I've got a name, so I just, uh, in the name of Jesus, I just, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to leave. I'm not happy. I'm not, you know, well, you just get older, you know, things start aching, right? And uh, well, maybe for you, not for me, there's no promise in the word of God. It says when you get older, it's all going to start falling off, right? And when you get older, you know, buy a couple rolls of duct tape because you're going to duct tape it all back on. Uh, and so it doesn't say that anywhere. My Bible says with long life, he'll satisfy me. Uh, and so, uh, but you know, that one took a year. I don't know why it took a year. Other things, you know, I've had arthritis in my hands and just spoke to it and immediately went away. I'm not having that. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> uh, but you know what? I'd get, uh, and, and you know, it's, part of it is, I, I just, I'm not really concerned about things like that. It's going to come, it's going to happen. I'm going to get the healing for it. So I'm just not under pressure about it. And, you know, sometimes I forget about to pray about it and you know, I just go on in my day. Uh, and So, you know, sometimes you're not diligent about things like that. Uh, but it, after a year it's gone uh, there's no pain at all you know I do whatever I want to and, uh, and and if anything ever comes like that I'm never quitting if there's ever any any uh, pain or agony or, or discomfort or sickness or disease I'm never quitting it's going to lose because if I ask I'm going to receive it amen uh, and so see that's that's where my anchor is it's coming amen what if it doesn't come today it doesn't matter it's coming And the Syrophoenician woman, she's such a great example because she had to stay the course through a lot of stuff. And at the end of it, Jesus said, you know, you've got great faith. You know, great faith never takes no for an answer. Uh, And so let's turn over to to Matthew chapter 20. We'll look at another example here. And you probably know all of these examples, but in in the context of this, I think it's just a great, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the message is just to encourage us. Amen. And I believe this message is to encourage us to to follow this course. Uh, And so it says here, Matthew chapter 20 let's start in verse 30 it says and behold uh, well it's in verse 29 says as as they departed from Jericho a great multitude followed him so uh, you know there's always people uh, following right there's always people uh, wanting to see all the cool stuff and it says and behold two blind men sitting by the wayside when they heard that Jesus passed by cried out saying have mercy on us O lord thou son of David so these guys these two blind men they've got the perfect attitude right Uh, they knew that have mercy on us right they knew that healing is basically an act of mercy Uh, they called them Lord they they addressed uh, Jesus correctly thou son of David they knew that he was prophesied uh, to come Uh, and what did now it says a great multitude followed him and that same great multitude rebuked the two blind men and what did they say because they should hold their peace Well, uh, you ever had somebody, uh, you know, say things to try to put peer pressure on you? Oh, you go to that church. Oh, you know, you should be so vocal about your faith. Oh, you know, God doesn't heal today. I mean, some people get so, they would get so mad at you if you said God's desire is to heal you every single time without exception. Well, how dare you say that? You know, my my sister doodad, she died of this or that. My grand aunt on my mother's side, she died of this or that. You know, God doesn't always heal. 100% God heals. Right? And people will be very vocal against you. How dare you say that, right? Um, we, were, we, were preaching, we were preaching on a Sunday morning, on John 15, 7, that uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, uh, if, if you abide in me my words abide in you, ask what you will and shall be done unto you. Now, that's a good promise right there, right? Now, now the, the problem with that promise is there are requirements in your part, right? That, uh, that if you abide in me uh, and my words abide in you, so that's two requirements, right? And third one is ask what you will. Well, why don't you have that? Well, I just thought if God wanted me to have it, he'd give it to me. Have you asked him for it? No, I just thought he'd give it to me if he wanted me to have it. Well, that violates the promise of that scripture, right? Because he said ask, amen? Some people, they wouldn't ask for nothing. I mean, just, I'm not asking. I'm just, if the Lord wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. And so they think well, that way, it's not my fault that I don't have it. I'm putting the responsibility on God to give it to me if he wants it. But Jesus said that, but that's a pretty straightforward promise, right? If you buy to me, my words about, and you ask whatever you want to, is there any limit on that? No, but in the whole council of God, we know that you can't ask for things to bring glory to yourself or to be selfish. You know and different things, and, and so you got to make sure that it's the will of God in those things. Uh, but how big is the will of God in your life? He wants you to be fully prosperous in all areas of your life—spirit, soul, and body. So that's a big—that's a big thing, right? Some people, well, you can only ask for little things, right? You know, a dollar ninety-five or less is fine, right? Uh, what about a dollar ninety-six? No, you can't have that, right? uh and, and so uh, and i always when people uh do things like that i always ask them what's the number because legalistic people uh, uh they they don't want to put a number on it right well you can't ask for big things okay well, well tell me what a big thing is All right? you can have a a, a a nice car but not a really nice car right okay well what's the number because see they don't want to put a number on it because then they look stupid right uh, but you know but you got to press them what's the number uh is a is a thousand dollar car is that okay yeah a thousand dollar car is fine well, what about a a, a thousand dollar car well maybe you know what about 20 oh you can't have a twenty thousand dollar car okay what about 19,999 what's the number i want a number because because see uh uh doubt and unbelief has no intelligence and it can't withstand any scrutiny at all so you you, you press it what's the number right you know, it's, it's the same thing, you know, a pastor can't make too much money, right? What's the number? Yeah. I always ask, what's the number? Is a dollar enough? Well, maybe, you know, I don't know. What's he going to spend it on? Right, a dollar. Right, and so, what about two dollars? What about three dollars? No, I don't know. What, you know, what's the number? And so, uh, see, Jesus said there's no number. Ask, and you'll receive. Amen. He didn't put any limits on it, but we put limits on it. Well, you can only ask for small things. Well, based on what? Are you, are you the, does the whole world have to come to you to, to, to get your approval for, is this thing right here? Have I crossed the line or is this, is this below the, uh, well, that, that's okay, brother. We'll let you ask for that. Oh, thank you for your graciousness, right? Uh, but, but people do that. Amen. But Jesus didn't put a, a limit on it. We put limits on it, but he didn't put a limit on it. Uh, and so, uh, so I was preaching and somebody came up a, a, after the service. You know, and this guy, he was what I call a guru, right? He wasn't a faithful Christian anywhere. He just, he just went around churches and did this right here. That right there? No, nah, no. Nah. Like, like he's the church pope, right? You know, for the, the <laughs> Protestant pope running around, right? Uh, and, and so uh, he, he said, you're preaching false hope. Like, what? What's that even mean, false hope? It's hope based on the word of God because it is hope, right? Because it, it may take a day, right? Hope is in the future. Uh, but it's false hope. So, so, so you're saying that what Jesus said was false. That's what you're saying, right? Now, he don't, you don't say it that way because that makes you sound really dumb, right? But, but you, you wrap it up in these fancy words, right? You're preaching false hope. Now, there's, there's false religion, you know, which is what you've got. Uh, but I'm not preaching. I'm just reading the word. I'm just, if that's what Jesus said. See, my response goes, oh. That's what he said, I guess I guess I can do that. See the, the, from the day I got born again, I started reading the Word of God, I, I would read a, a verse like that, oh, I guess I can have that. Yeah, no one ever told me, well, you can't have what the word says because I would have thought, well, that sounds dumb. why would he give us this Bible? And they go, well, you can, yeah, but you can't have that What well, so they can have that yeah, but you can't have that. Well, based on what? Well just because you know because they, they, they asked for it, they didn't get it, so therefore God doesn't give it to everybody. Well, I don't know about them, I just know about me uh, and so uh, so, uh, when when I read Matthew seven, it says, "Ask and you shall receive." And that that's the deal, right? Now now uh, back here in, with the blind men, uh, the multitude not one person rebuked the multitude rebuked them. Everybody came against them. Uh, and there will be times, especially the more you want to desire to walk in faith, the more people will will try to hinder your faith right. until you get it settled in your heart, like. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that God doesn't answer prayer, right? And then they'll leave you alone. Uh, but they'll push and find out where's your faith limit? How, how bad do you want it? And that's what they were, you know, and, and who's motivating them? The devil's motivating these people, right? And they're yielding to the motivation of the devil. Now, people in a church are motivated by the devil oftentimes. Well, you don't want to be too fanatical, right? Well, see, they, uh, you know, there, there was a fellow, uh, and I don't, I don't uh, desire to speak ill of him, but uh, his name was Donald G. And he was a, a great man of God. Uh, he was president of a of, 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 of Pentecostal college in, in England. Uh, and uh, and they, call him, they, they called him an ambassador of faith, that he was just a great, well-respected man of God. But he had a problem with healing. And, and he did not believe that it was God's will uh, every single time without exception to heal you. He thought sometimes God wanted you to be to be sick. And so he wrote a book uh, about uh, Trophimus. Uh, Remember Trophimus, the prophet said that that Paul left Trophimus at Miletus sick. Uh, But it doesn't say that it was God's will for him to be sick. It just says, and really when I read it, I'm thinking, Paul's like, I gotta go. How are you feeling, Trophimus? I'm not feeling good. I gotta go. Sorry, buddy. You know, uh, get better. Hope you get better soon. I gotta go. That's the deal, right? It wasn't because, well, okay, God must want you to be sick, so I'm gonna leave you here uh, and stay in God's perfect will to be sick. There was no doctrinal statement like that. It was just a statement of fact. Uh, he's sick. Paul had to go. He left him there. Uh, and he said, see, sometimes God wants you to be sick. But there's no you're, you're, you're adding doctrine, but there's no doctrinal statement there. Uh, and so, he, but he said, you fanatical Christians that hold on to God's desire to be healed all the time, you need to get over it. He called them fanatical. And I'm thinking, you know, it is not fanatical to just read the Word of God and go, oh. I guess, I guess he's my healer. By his stripes I was healed. That is not a fanatical statement at all. That's, that's like normal entry-level faith as far as God's concerned, right? God, God never says, he never told the Syrophoenician, wow, you've got fanatical faith. You, you're a fanatic. He never called anybody a fanatic. Uh, even people had great faith he didn't call them fanatics, amen? Uh, uh, he said, you all need to be like him, right? Remember, remember the, the, the centurion he said, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He said, all you Jews that have been around with me for thousands of years, and and you can trace your your ancestry all back to Adam. He said, you need to be like this guy that just showed up. And of course, all the Jews like, uh, because, you know, they made him look bad, right? Uh, He made them look bad. Uh, And so these two blind men are are desiring something from the Lord and the multitude, you know, you always got the multitude that that just they're hanger honors, Right. They, they want all the excitement of, oh, look at Jesus. He's the man, right? We want to be with Jesus. And this guy over, these two guys over here, they're, they're trying to, uh, you know, get Jesus off course. Uh, well, no, we're with Jesus. You, who are you? Uh, and so if you desire to walk in faith, people will come against you to try to get you out of faith. And this multitude were trying to get these two blind men out of their faith. And the enemy, especially early on, if you're just now learning faith, the enemy really tries to get you hindered early on because when you get you know uh, just mean and ornery like I am after you know uh, 40 years of doing this the people like I'm like shut up that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard God's going to do this because he said he would right and they said well he won't do that well you apparently have never met him right if you've ever met the Lord Jesus uh, you would know that he's a man of his word Uh, and so but you know when you're young in faith you don't always, you haven't walked the walk all that long and, and, you know, people will try to, in fact, that fellow I told you about, the guru, the reason why he was at our church is because there was a young couple that had just, uh, they, I don't even know if they ever got saved, but they were just, they had been coming to church for a month or two with us. And we're like, this, is this really so? Because then it was like, like every Sunday was explosion of information. They'd never heard anything like that before. And we're just teaching simple faith, but they're like, wow, is this real? So they brought the guru in to, to confirm whether or not it was so. And after that day, they never came back to church. Because he went he back he's pre- preaching false hope. Now, w- the, will they make it to heaven? I hope so. But if they don't, it's on that fellow right there. If they don't live a, a life of, of spiritual blessings in this earth, it's on that fellow right there. And it's also on them because they asked, because they, they told me, they said, this is the most spiritual man I've ever met. I'm thinking this guy is not. Is, I've got a bucket at home more spiritual than this guy right here. This guy is the least spiritual human being on the earth to 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 dissuade a young couple seeking the Lord from seeking the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even live in that town. He he had to come out of town to come there, and then he could get him quit going to church. And as far as I know, they never went to church after that. And now I, mean, I haven't followed up with them because mm-hmm. they just left the church, right? And so, uh, do you think about that? This guy, he's the multitude, right? Uh, be quiet. You can't believe faith like that. that that's false hope. Oh, man, I, I, it just sounded so good, though. I was really hoping it was good. I guess it's not. And what they do? They got sidetracked in their spiritual life because they listened to some guy that they said was the most spiritual man. That's what the exact words, the most spiritual man that they knew. Like, well, you know me. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't trying to compare myself, but I mean, you know, we met uh, and so, yeah, but you're preaching false hope. So you're obviously not spiritual. Uh, I'm just, and I'm just preaching the word. Well, that's what it says. Seemed like we should believe that. Uh, amen. Uh, and so these two blind men, uh, they rebuke them. Stop having so much faith. Stop believing that God's a healer. Uh, I mean, you, you want to get people mad, especially in this area? Talk about how good God is to prosper you financially, fully in all areas of your life. Oh, you're of the devil. That, that prosperity message is of the devil. Really? That's funny, because Jesus is the one who preached it, right? Asking, it shall be given unto you, right? He said, given, it, it shall be given And you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall so be given to your bosom. He said, if you give up anything for my sake and the gospel's sake, he said, I'll return a hundredfold to you now in this lifetime. Well, that sounds like prosperity to me. Well, it's all, all that's of the devil. Really? You can tell, G- yeah, gee, what Jesus preached is of the devil, Jesus. You want to say that? I'm not going to say that. Uh, and yet, they, they, I mean, they'll get mad. And it just, oh, you can't have all that nice stuff jesus said you could right as long as it doesn't have you you can have anything amen uh and so you know because you know in this area one of the one of the main spirits are, that are running this area is the spirit of poverty i mean you got people just and, and, you know you can be poverty stricken anywhere right uh i mean you you go into into people's homes you know when we were growing up we were in poverty but just nobody ever told us I, I didn't really know i was poor you know until i, I wasn't poor and it's like wow I guess I was really poor, right? Because we, were on food, we, were, we were on food stamps. We Before food stamps, we had the, the food trucks, right? The, food, the, the lady in the food wagon would come. She had to have a station wagon because we had 11 kids, right? So she couldn't just come in a car. It had to be a station wagon. Uh, and she brought these boxes of government food, right? Uh, uh, syrup, you know, the corn syrup, right? We had um, hundreds of bottles of corn syrup. What do you do with that much corn syrup? I don't know. Uh, uh, and the cheese and, and the powdered eggs and powdered milk. Uh, most of it was disgusting, right? But uh, and the canned meat, remember the canned meat? It didn't have a label. It was just an aluminum can with meat in it, right? You know all about that, right? And, and you could use that for, you could slice it up, you know, in, for sandwiches. You could fry it up for uh, breakfast food. Uh, you could use it for dog food. Uh, if you had, like, holes in the wall, you could pack uh, holes in the wall because the stuff was, in, 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 it, it would never go bad, right? And so uh, it was amazing stuff. Well, so we were poor growing up. So we had a clean house. we we'll clean the house every time. You go to some people's houses, you know, and they're poor, and, and it's just like a dump in there. Uh, it's just now. I mean, it, it doesn't take any any uh, uh, money to pick up the trash off the floor, right? There's no, there's no. You don't have to have a job to pick up the trash on the floor, right? I'm just saying. So you live however you want to. Not my business. But but uh, but see, poverty. That's a poverty mentality, right? Just in their mental in their mental state, they're poverty minded, right? Uh, we had a fellow come the church here. He told me, he, he actually said, said you, uh, you should never go on mission trips. Isn't that an odd thing to tell a church? Have... I said, why, why shouldn't you go on mission trips? He said, because it's too expensive. And, and, and uh, he said, and you should never have a mission trip to Europe, because they don't need the gospel. Like, have you ever been to Europe? I've been to Europe many times. I would much rather a hundred times out of a out hundred go to, to uh, the whole con- continent of Africa where people love the Lord everywhere in Africa that I go to. You go to Europe, and it's like dark and cold, spiritually speaking. I mean, it's just it's, God has almost uh, been evicted from the whole continent of Europe. It doesn't seem like they need the gospel over there, right? Well, you should never go to Europe. It's too expensive. Wow, that's poverty mentality, right? Poverty mentality. So you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus at the day of judgment. Did you go into all the world like I told you to? Well, Lord, I, I just went to, you know, I, I went to Sail Creek. That's as far as I could go, you know, because gas was expensive. I couldn't go to Saudi because, you know, the Saudi, I'd have to take more gas to get to Saudi. You know, Saudi's a little further away, right? Uh, it, so, I, you know, but I, Lord, I, I, I saved all that money. What'd you do with it? I, I bought video games, right? Or, I, you know, I bought potato chips, or I guess. I don't know. What'd you, I mean, uh, it, it's just poverty mentality, right? So you, so you can't do the will of God because, because you'd have to spend money, right? Uh, and, of course, you know, if you've been around here long enough, what do I tell people when they start complaining about money? Who do, I say? Who, who do you sound just like? Judas. Who's the only person complained about money in the Gospels? Judas. Judas, right? You sound just like Judas, which makes him really happy when I tell him that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, and so, but, uh, but don't they sound like Judas? Yeah. Well, we, we should have spent that money on that perfume to, you know, all that wasted money like that. Yeah, you sound just like Judas because there, is there more money tomorrow? It's God's you know, there's more money. He said he'd prosper you, amen? Uh, and so when you start saying, well, Lord can't prosper you too much, you sound just like Judas, right? Uh, and so, is that your goal in life? More than I, Judas is my example. I want to be just like Judas, right? Uh, well, let me know how that's working out for you. Uh, and so they, they tried to they tried to to dissuade these blind men. They rebuked them. Now, the thing about the thing I love about Jesus is is you've got to watch Jesus. See, I'm a, see you've got to watch Jesus in all these things. What did Jesus do? Uh, in response to the people that were rebuking the blind man? What did he say to the people rebuking the blind man? Nothing. You know, there's something about Jesus uh, that, that uh, I think uh, much of the leadership of the church has missed. Because much of, the church, much of the leadership in the church, if there's ever anything, they would immediately come down hard on all the multitude and rebuke them and fuss at them and all that. Now, Jesus did that sometimes, right? But many times, what did he do? He didn't do anything. Well, why not? Because he's just going to wait to see how it plays out. A lot of times he's just waiting and see, see how it's going to happen. He's under no pressure to exert his authority. Even though, you know, he is the authority right here, right? Now, he's the son of God. He's healing people, getting people raised from the dead. What did, did the multitude say? Jesus, should we do something about these men bothering us? No, they're a bunch of rebellious, you know, usurpers. They usurped authority, took authority that didn't belong to them. And they said, hey, you, you be quiet. Now, did the master tell him to be quiet? Did the, 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 the rabbi, they call him rabbi, they called him master, they called him son of God. Did the son of God do anything, or say anything to the, to the men there? No, they just took it upon themselves. And people oftentimes will say, thus saith the Lord. The Lord didn't say anything. How dare you believe in those things? And, and did the Lord tell you to say that? No. Did the Lord tell that man to come to my church and, and tell me that I'm preaching false hope? The Lord didn't tell him that. Did he take it upon himself to rebuke me? He did, right? Did, the, did this multitude take it upon themselves to rebuke the blind man? They did, right? And, and did, what, what did God do? What did Jesus do? He didn't do anything, right? Not, not to them, right? He didn't say a single thing to them. Uh, and and uh, why? Because he said, ask and you to receive, he didn't say how long or, or, or with what uh, situations you're going to have to go through before you receive. Uh, and, 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 and I believe that the primary reason why there's ever any delay is he's needing to see from you, are you really in faith? Do you really believe this? Do you really want it bad enough there's a lot of times God would just wait. Let me see what, uh, uh, how bad you want it, and see they rebuked them, and the blind man could have gone. Well, we tried, Bob. You know, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, we gave it a good faith effort. We we asked, you know, and uh, and they rebuked us. And and maybe maybe they're speaking for Jesus because he didn't say to tell him he didn't tell the multitude to stop. So maybe they are speaking for Jesus. A lot of times we we add things to the Lord. Somebody comes and rebuke you for your faith. Well, maybe the Lord sent them. I would never say, maybe the Lord sent them. I'd say, Lord, did you send them? I would ask. Did you send that person to be rude to me? Uh, and so, of course, sometimes it should be obvious. So what did they do? They, the, the multitude said, hold your peace. Uh, but what did they do? But they cried the more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, the Son of David. They just kept repeating the same thing. Uh, but they cried the more, right? Uh, and 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 so now, after the... Uh, after they started and after the multitude rebuked them and after they showed that they're really going to stay the course of faith, the Bible then says in verse 32, and Jesus stood still. I think that's an amazing statement. Oh, yeah. God stopped when faith was exerted. Right. God stopped. He stopped his he, Now, he was going somewhere, right? He was headed to wherever he's headed, right? Uh, and uh, he, he had a goal and a plan, a destination. but faith, But faith was exerted and it stopped God, right there. Jesus stopped, uh, and he called them. Now, he's not done finding out are they in faith yet because he asks uh, uh, the most captain obvious question that you could ever ask somebody, right? They're blind. Are, is it obvious they're blind? It's kind of obvious they're blind, right? This is not like, are, are, you, are you really blind, right? It's usually pretty obvious that the people are blind. He said, what will you that I do unto you? What, what would you like me to do for you? Well, they're blind. What do you think they want? Well, I'd like to get a ham sandwich and some fries and, and you know, and, and maybe a small Diet Coke, right? Is, is, uh, is that what a blind man would ask? A lot of times people ask for things that, well, why are you asking for that? You need this thing over here, but you're not asking for that. Well, I don't want to ask, that's too big of a thing, so I want to ask for this small thing over here. And, and the Lord's like, what, 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 why are you putting a constraint on me? Why are you putting, why are you putting limits on me? Uh, and, and, and so... They said unto him, in verse 33, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I still think it's the funniest question, right? Well, what, what, you're blind. What would you like me to do for you? Uh, why, why did Jesus ask that? He needed them to express faith. Right. Because, you know, never, they never did say, remember what they asked? They said, have mercy on us, O Lord, the Son of David. They never did give a specific, right? That's a general thing, right? And so uh, faith uh, has to be specific. Well, Lord, just bless me. What well, would you like me to bless you? you know, how would you like me to bless you? Well, just, just bless me, Lord. What, what's that even mean, right? I know we say that to bless them, Lord, but we really mean that we're saying they're stupid, but we don't want to be, you know, we're in the South, so we, don't, we want to be polite. So when you say you bless them, Lord, they really mean, oh, you know, they're really dumb. They don't know how to get out of the rain. Uh, but the Lord needs us to be specific in faith. I want you to heal my eyes. I want to be able to see. Okay, now that you have specific faith, see, then I have a specific answer for you. Uh, and so... So Jesus had compassion on them, right, uh, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes were, received sight, and, and they followed him, along with the same multitude that five seconds ago were rebuking them, right? Now, you know, all the multitude's like, oh, come on, boys, you know, you're one of us now, right? A bunch of and buzzards, right? Just, I mean, just, just, you know, but people are that way, right? When you get in, now you're in the crowd, oh, now you're one of us, right? Uh, and, but did Jesus rebuke them about that? No. You know, a lot of things Jesus lets slide. And uh, because sometimes, you know, it just it takes a while for people to, to realize how how uh, uh, full of doubt and unbelief they are. And, and God is not one to just just point out every error of your life, every single second of every uh, day of your life. A lot of things he'll just wait. And he may he may never mention it to you. He may he may be planning a mention it to you six years from now. And, you know, if we can learn just some of that from for each other, we wouldn't be so touchy with each other. Oh, can you believe they're doing that thing right there? Well, yeah, just let it ride for a while. Maybe they'll figure it out, right? I need to go tell them. Why are you going to tell them? Jesus didn't tell them. Why well, you going to tell them that they're wrong? Jesus didn't tell them they were wrong before, during, or after. Uh, well, they need to know. Well, maybe. Did the Lord tell you to tell them? You know, I had, I had a fellow uh, uh, ask me a question one time. He said, you know, I was visiting his church and this lady was, was up on the, at the uh, prayer uh, altar there uh, praying and Lord told me to go up there and rebuke her. <laughs> and, and, and so I went up there and rebuked her. I told her all these things that were wrong in her life. And then the pastor called me in his office and chewed me out for doing that. I'm thinking, good for him, right? Uh, and, you know, do you think he was wrong? I said, well, uh, do you think he'd been praying for his, the people that go to his church? Do you think he maybe knew the things that were going on in her life? Do you think maybe the Lord hadn't told him yet to do anything about it, to just, pray for, just continue to pray for her and that sometimes she will get it? And that maybe he knew the timing better than you knew the timing? Uh, and, and, I mean, more than likely, because uh, I know the fellow, more than likely the Lord didn't tell him that anyway. You know, some people just like to do that. But, uh, but uh, do you know the whole circumstance of her life and, and, and the relationship she has with the church and how the pastor has been praying for her? Do you know that it was the right timing to go and do that? You know, just because you know something doesn't mean the Lord wants you to go and rebuke somebody about that. Maybe he wants you to spend the next six months, six years praying for that person. Instead of rebuking them, Jesus didn't rebuke these people. They were in error. They were unkind. They were not walking in love towards these men. They were hindering this man's faith, and yet he never once rebuked them. And so we need to learn, you know, when, I, when I'm reading the word of God, especially the God, I'm always watching Jesus. How is he operating? Because then I want to operate like that. So, so then when I see a fault in somebody's life, I'm under no pressure. Well, they got to know. Jesus didn't say anything to them about it. Well, you reckon he prayed for them? He prayed all the time. No doubt he prayed for the multitude. Lord, help them. They're just a mess, right? They're out there usurping authority, uh, hindering people's faith. Uh, help them and show them uh, that they need to be kind. But he never addressed it directly to them. Amen? So if you're, if you're one of these people that, that are under pressure to, to point out everybody's faults, you should be more like the Lord Jesus. Amen? And he knew everybody's faults, and yet he didn't address this at all. So the two blind men there... Um, We're trying to be hindered. Jesus didn't hinder them at all. Amen. Uh, But the, but other people will try to hinder your faith. What are you going to do about it? You're going to stay the course. Uh, Oh, you go to that church, right? Yeah. That's where God's called me to, right? Oh, well, you know, I've heard things about that church, you know? Uh, And so uh, what are they doing? They're trying to get you to get off course, right? And people always trying to, these are people, these are followers of Jesus that were trying to hinder this man's faith. This is not the world, right? Uh, people in the church will oftentimes try to get you to quit following Jesus and follow them. Right? Now, a lot of times uh, people want a following. And, and, and you always got to be careful. People in the church who want following, you got to run away from people like that. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so, that's a, so we're, we won't get through this one today, but we'll start today. Turn over to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, because this is the good one here. So, so those two blind men, they wanted it bad enough. I mean, you know, you think about it. Jesus is the only one on the earth at that, at that time in history that could heal a blind man. This is their one shot. Uh, and, and sometimes that's it. You know, would Jesus have traveled that same road again that time when they were sit, having to sit by there? Maybe, maybe not. This is their one shot. Uh, and they wanted it bad enough they were going to stay the course. Amen? And so how bad do you want it? You know, there are things that you get one shot at in, in life. And, and, and the Lord may never come back around to that. Uh, well, you know, he now he might he's merciful, right? But sometimes, you know, if you reject Jesus, you may not get a second chance. Amen. So I'm not putting any pressure on you about well, I mean that's not like I'm putting pressure on you, but but uh, the 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 uh, thing you learn from it is do it now, amen, and don't let anybody hinder you. So here we are in Second Corinthians uh, chapter twelve, and we know the story, right? Uh, let's start in verse seven. Now it says, "Unless I should be." Uh, well, let, let's actually back up to verse one. He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So Paul was a man who had visions and revelations of the Lord. Uh, he said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up in the third heaven. And so uh, most people believe this. Paul just talking about himself here. He said, I knew such a man, Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. So, you know, oftentimes when people start having supernatural experiences with the Lord, they tend to try to draw glory to themselves. And you've got to reject all glory to yourself right if anybody oh you're the most wonderful minister there ever was shut up i don't want to hear it right uh you don't you don't bring glory to a man amen i mean you can thank a minister for that That's a great message you know that's fine but you've got to be careful about crossing the line into glory right into glorifying them Uh, because no man is worthy of any glory Uh, only the lord jesus is and so i i for though i would desire to glory i shall not be a fool Uh, people who desire to be glorified are foolish Right? And so that's what Paul was saying. He said, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he see, seeth me to be or that he heareth of me. Uh, and so, you know, uh, the Bible says, uh, don't think uh, more of yourself than you ought to think. Amen. But to think soberly. Uh, but it also doesn't say, think less of yourself than you should. You know, you got people with both, both problems. People who think more highly than they ought to and people who think less of themselves than they ought to. You should think of yourself the way the Lord thinks of you. I'm a child of a living God. Uh, the king died for me. Blood was shed on my behalf. Uh, I, I'm in the beloved. God loves me. That's how you should think. Think of yourself. Amen. You should never think of yourself. Well, I'm unworthy of love. I'm worthy of these things. I'm worthy of every blessing the Lord paid for me because he made me worthy. Amen. I'm deserving of all the things he's done for me because he's made me deserving. Amen. I've not earned any of it. Uh, but I will receive all of it. And if you can find that balance, that's a good balance to have. Amen. Uh, and so he said, unless I should be exalted above measure. Still not that it should be exalted, but that it should be exalted above measure. Uh, Through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, uh, we know uh, the Lord says uh, many times about uh, being exalted. He said, humble yourself therefore in the mighty hand of God, and he will what? exalts you when in due season right so uh in fact jesus said you know if you humble yourself you'll 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 be uh uh you'll be exalted and if you exalt yourself you'll be humbled uh, and so it, it, does god desire to exalt his people sometime to raise them up in other words above other people above their peers he does he said that right and and the the, the path to that is to humble yourself and and so uh we're not going to get into a whole discussion about humility uh, but, uh, uh, but I'll just tell you this. Humility, the, the, the best definition that I think of humility uh, is uh, staying under. Because humility is really a military term, and it's talking about rank and, and, and position. And so humility means to stay under. So stay under what? To so stay under the Lord. People that glorify themselves want to get out from under the Lord and want to be equal to the Lord. And, and they get in trouble like that. So that's, the, that's always a problem with humility is just stay under the Lord. And he may exalt you to the highest position in the land. But as long as you stay under the Lord, you're good. Amen. That's all humility is, just staying under, staying under the Lord. Uh, and so uh, there was given to me a thorn a, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, debuffed me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Uh, and so, uh, so of course, uh, he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. So let's back up at verse seven. And, and he said, um, uh, the reason why that, uh, uh, well, first of all, what was the source of this thorn in the flesh? It was a messenger of what? Satan. All right. So we got to start there, right? So the source of the thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. Was it was a messenger of God? No, it was a messenger of Satan. So did God send it? Well, God didn't send it. It's a messenger of Satan. Uh, how many angels do you think God's got in, in his employment? I mean, it's untold numbers, right? Did he have to? Well, God used Satan to, to do that. Was he out of angels? I mean, they're all busy, booked up, or something, out of work. I mean, what's the deal? Why is he using Satan for, do, for doing things? Well, God's not using Satan to, to help his people, amen? He's not using Satan as his messenger. He's got angels uh, for his messengers, amen? He's not going to have to use Satan, but people will say that. Of course, people say uh, that the thorn in the flesh, it was sickness and disease, right? Well, Paul had some eye disease, right? And they pull out some obscure verse out of, uh, out of Galatians that talked about that, where they said oh, that they would have given me their very eyes, well, that's just an idiom. It just means it's a, It's just a. It's just a statement. that they would do anything for me, right? They'd give me the shirt off their back. They'd give me, you know, uh, they'd uh, uh, they'd give an arm and a leg for that, you know. You, people say things like that, right? And those are called idioms. You wouldn't actually go down and say, "Would you like the left hand or right arm?" You, you know, uh, hey, let me get my hacksaw and I'll give you my. You would actually you don't mean that. You would give you actually an arm. It's just it's it's just a, a a a phrase that we would use like that, uh, and so. So it was a message of Satan. So the source of it was Satan. It was not God. Uh, and, and he says that uh, it was a thorn in the flesh. And, and what was the purpose of it? That I, lest I should be exalted above measure. Well, now, if Paul stayed humble, who would have exalted him? The Lord would have, right? Because he said, if you humble yourself, I will exalt you in due season. And so it's the Lord's desire to elevate, to, to exalt his people when they remain in a humble state. And Paul, as the great apostle of the Lord, needed to be exalted so that people could hear the word, right? So people could hear what he was preaching, hear the, the, the revelation that he had. Because Paul, you know, we read Paul's letters. These are great. He, he was a revolutionary. You know, Peter even said, well, Paul's things, you know, they're hard to understand, right? They're not hard to understand. They're hard to understand if you want to stay in religion. But, but they're not hard to understand if you stay in faith, Right? But Paul, was, you know, he was talking about, well, yeah, we need to get rid of this. We need to start sacrificing. We need to stop doing that stuff right there. We don't need to be circumcised, you know, uh, all this stuff about all these laws. You know, he said, I'm free to, you know, I don't do all that stuff anymore. And and, and he was a Jew, though. right? if he was a Gentile, they'd be like, hey, he's just a Gentile. He didn't know anything about that. Paul Paul was a Pharisee. He knew about all this stuff. He goes, yeah, it's time to move on, boys. And and they thought he was a revolutionary. And he was by faith. He was a revolutionary. And God needed to exalt him above measure right above the measure of his peers because he was the only you know the 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 lord said in acts 1 8 he should go into all the world to preach the gospel right he should be witnessing to me in jerusalem in judea and samaria and where under the uttermost parts of the earth they said that's great we're not moving they didn't go anywhere It gets get to acts chapter 8 and it says and then paul started uh persecuting church and it says then where they were scattered and it was only until acts chapter 8 when they actually went to samaria and uh, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, you're going to go to Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So Samaria's is in the outer skirts, right? Uh, out past uh, Jerusalem and Judea. They, yeah, we, we, We're not going there. You know, we, we can't do that. And, but Jesus said they were going to do that. Uh, and, and they were so fixated on, on Jerusalem and fixated on kind of keeping the law but keeping faith at the same time. And, and Paul's like, that's a waste of We've got to move on, boy. We've got to move. And the Lord had to, move, had to raise up Paul in Acts chapter 9. Because the church was not moving. The, the 12 apostles of the Lamb who were supposed to be the carriers of the faith of Jesus were not moving. And Paul had, the Lord had to bring in another, another man, Paul, to kind of you know, put some life back in the church. Uh, to get out there and do the, do the work of the, of the Lord. They weren't doing it. And so the Lord had to raise up Paul. Had to exalt Paul. Raise him up. And bring him into that. And, and so because of, it, of the abundance of revelation, Paul had an abundance of revelation. He knew that Jesus was God, uh, and and the disciples really weren't sure about that. They knew he was the son of God, but they weren't really sure he was deity, right? They knew he was the Messiah, the the great general of Israel, but they weren't sure he was was God himself. Paul knew it. He had an abundance of revelation. And so there was was given him a thorn in the flesh. So now uh, I, I remember studying this years ago and thinking, you know, I need to look this up. Thorn in the flesh. What's that even mean? Thorn in the flesh. It sounds like an idiom, right? It sounds like a like a phrase that you would use that not really. I mean, a thorn in the flesh. You would just pull it out. What's a big deal? Just pull it out, right? So I mean, you pull out the thorn and you're done. Uh, uh, and so it can't mean just a physical thorn, right? That you just pull out with some tweezers, uh, and and move on. No, there was something else. Well, if you go back, you, we're not going to go through all of them, but let's just go back to to the book of Numbers, 33. Was Paul a a Jew? He wasn't you, right? You think he, he knew anything about the word of God? He did know about the word of God, right? He knew, he knew the word. He knew that he studied the word of God. Yeah, and uh, we're going to go to Numbers 33 there. Uh, and it says, uh, this is the Lord speaking in verse 55. He said, but if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. So he's telling them as they're, as they're getting ready to leave uh, the wilderness and go into the promised land. He said, but if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you... Then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and shall vex you in the land wherein you shall dwell. So now the Lord, the Lord is using that exact phrase, thorns in your side, right? Thorns in your flesh. And in the context of Numbers 33, what is a thorn in the flesh? It's the people, right? The people were a thorn in the flesh. Uh, and so in, in you go back, we're not going to go through all of them right now, but uh, you go to uh, Joshua chapter 23, uh, Judges chapter 2, uh, Genesis chapter, th- uh, chapter 3, Isaiah 55, and Ezekiel 28. There's a lot of uh, references of the same type of phrase there, uh, but Numbers is, is a good one. Uh, anytime you see that phrase, thorn in the flesh, it's always talking about the exact same thing, always talking about people. So now Paul, being a Jew, would have known that phrase because it's a, it's, a spe, it's a specific phrase. It doesn't mean a physical thorn, and he wasn't trying to imply it was a physical thorn, like actual thorn, right? Because people say it was sickness and disease. Okay, so not actual thorn, you're talking about that it means something else. So now that you open up the door that it might mean something else, which it does, then you should find out what it actually means. And so you go back in the Old Covenant, and you find out every time they use that phrase, they're always talking about people. And so the thorn in Paul's flesh was not sickness and disease. Uh, it was just people people that were annoying him did people ever annoy paul you go through the book of acts how many times did people annoy paul right. all the time right they tried to kill him right there's some, the jews took a vow to, we're not gonna we're not gonna eat again till we kill paul and of course they never to kill him so i wonder if they starved to death uh, i wonder how strong their vow was you know uh, and so sometimes he had to be let down in a basket and over the city walls right uh, to escape uh, the danger that was there with him uh, and so so the, the thorn in the flesh uh was uh, was the people uh, anybody want to deal with with rotten people you want to go to people all the time how many times did paul go places uh, and, and the jews rose up and threw him out or stoned him right remember the one time they stoned him left him for dead uh and, and it was almost always the jews that were that were uh sometimes it was the the heathens right when he was saying well that's not even a god well how dare you say that well get your god to do something right and Uh, My God will heal your sick. What's your God going to do? Nothing except you know make me some money, Uh, and so. So sometimes you know he would stir up other people even outside the Jewish world, Uh, but uh, uh, almost everywhere Paul went, people were being unkind to him, trying to kill him. Uh, But sometimes, uh, just uh, turn over to Acts chapter sixteen. Sometimes it was the same person just over and over again, right? Uh, And so. in Acts chapter 16, this is when he was at, uh, at Philippi. Uh, it says uh, in verse 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God which show us the way of salvation. Now she was devil possessed and she was telling everybody, hey, look at Paul. You want somebody who's devil-possessed uh, being your spokesperson? Nobody wants that, right? Uh, devil-possessed uh, woman there uh, speaking uh, uh, th- this way, and it, it was no doubt, it was in, uh, in jest, right? She was just uh, mocking Paul. What did Paul do? Nothing. He didn't do anything at first, right? It says, and this, she did, this did she many days. So what did Paul do in the first day she did it? Nothing. Was it a thorn in the flesh? Sure. What, what did he do the second day she did it? Nothing. Was it annoying to Paul? Sure, it was. Uh, what, did, what did he do this, the, the third day, right? Uh, it says many days, right? So that implies many, right? That there's probably not two or three. There's probably, you know, I don't know what many is, but it's not three. Uh, and so many days, but the Paul being grieved, after, after many days, after she was a thorn in his side for many days, now I don't believe particularly that Second uh, uh, Corinthians 12 was talking about this case uh, because uh, he did something about it, and, and uh, it was removed, right? So this thorn in the flesh was removed out of his life. We've got to go back to Second Corinthians 12 and find out, well, why d- didn't God remove that, right? And so we'll look at that here, but we probably won't get to it today. So we're going to uh, give you the rest of the story next week, right? But uh, he did... He did uh, cast this devil out of her. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, the devil, came out at that same hour. So he cast the devil. So in this case, the, the thorn was removed and he did it by the authority of the Lord. Uh, and so uh, why didn't he do it the first day? Well, for one thing, uh, you've got to understand, uh, you know, sometimes in, especially even in the charismatic world, you know, uh, Mark 16 says, uh, the believer shall lay hands on the sick and they cover. So you know what we do all the time? We just go around just doing this right here. And yet, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, how many people were at the pool of Bethesda? Great multitude. How many did Jesus go and pray for? Just one. Why did Jesus pray for one? That's who the Lord told him to go pray for. That's who the the Father said, you go pray for that one man. Now, anybody that came to Jesus got healed, but sometimes Jesus only sent to one person. Uh, You know, you have to, in other words, you have to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, do things by the, by the unction of the Spirit of God. If the, Lord, if the Lord gives you an unction to pray for people, then pray for them. But if he doesn't, well, they, they need prayer. Maybe they need prayer, but maybe, not, maybe it's not the time right now. Maybe the Lord's working on their faith. Maybe he's working on, on getting them to repent first. Maybe he's working on some other things. Uh, and so a lot of times we just, we just bypass the will of God and just go start laying hands on people and then we get little success. And well, Lord, why is it not working? Well, I never told you to lay hands on that person. Well, but you said lay hands on the I did say that. But I didn't say don't be led by the Spirit of God. Because, again, you go back and look at the example of Jesus. Did he, did he always go and, and uh, now every, again, everybody came to him, always got healed. But when he went places, sometimes he'd go to one person in particular, just one. And, and that's all that got healed. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, even, even here with Paul, why didn't he rebuke the devil the first day? He didn't have an unction to do it. Uh, so what should you do if you don't have an unction? Absolutely nothing. Well, don't, 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 she needs the devil cast out of her. She does. Did she want it the first day? Maybe not. Did she want it the second day? Probably not. But see, Paul kept doing his job. She kept doing her job. And, and, and maybe a spark of life came in her and she said, you know, I need, I need this. But I don't know how to get out of this being devil possessed. Uh, and, and I think in this case, that, that wasn't the case because it's Paul being grieved, right? Uh, that, uh, that she was a hindrance. And sometimes the Lord will do things if you're a hindrance to, to the advancement of the gospel. Uh, he, he will shut things down. And he just uh, he just uh, had Paul rebuke this devil here uh, and cast it out of this woman uh, because she was a hindrance to the gospel. Uh, and so, uh, but he couldn't do that until he had the unction of the Spirit of God to do that. Because it's the power of God, uh, specifically it's, it's, uh, it's either the work of miracles or special faith uh, in, in casting out devils. It's usually special faith that's casting out devils. He had to wait on the unction from the Lord to give him the power to do that. It's not just... It's not just the words, right? Yeah, you'll cast out devils, but it has to be the power behind those words. And so, if the power's not there, you don't say the words. Well, I said the words, and nothing happened. Well, was the power there? Uh, and so, uh, so Paul did that. So I don't believe he, that this woman was was the thorn of flesh he's talking about in Second Corinthians twelve, because he never got rid of the Second Corinthians twelve thorn. So we're going to find out why he didn't get rid of that. You know, but we're going to wait till the next week, right? That way you'll come back, Amen. Uh, and so. Praise God. Well, let's, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your blessings and kindness and goodness, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you, that you promised in the word that if we ask, we'll receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door shall be open to us. You never told us the time frame, Father. You never told us. So, Father, it, it's our responsibility to, to never back down, to never give it up, Father, to, to want it bad enough to stay the course. And so, Father, we will stay the course. If there's something we know in our hearts that belongs to us, whether it's healing or prosperity or whatever it is, Father, we will stay the course. And Lord, if there's any delay on our part, we ask you that you'll show that to us. You'll show us things that we can adjust in our lives to make us to be put into position to receive the promises that belong to us. And so we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. You know. Paul is not perfect. I know that may be a, a news to some people, but Paul was not a perfect man. Amen. Uh, and we'll, uh, if we get a chance, we'll look at some of those things where the Lord had to rebuke him. Uh, and so, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Is the Lord good? He's good and kind all the time. Amen. We th- we're so thankful to his goodness and kindness and so thankful that he's prospered us. Amen. You know, prosperity is not a bad word. Uh, it's, uh, in fact, we're working on a, on a book about prosperity scriptures and, and um, uh, someone told me who's in the business as well you probably shouldn't call it something about prosperity because you know that's a bad connotation and i'm thinking that's the stupidest thing i mean it's true because some in some circles of the church the word prosperity is a bad connotation but the bible literally says that, that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants well i didn't write that he wrote that right if he takes pleasure in my prosperity then then prosperity is a good word right but in some circles, you know, so, I mean, we, we may call it something different anyway, just to appease, uh, because we wanted people to, to, uh, uh, to grow in faith, right? And if they just have a knee-jerk reaction, well, I'm not reading those scriptures, because they're just scriptures, right? Uh, anyway, so, uh, but the Lord does, the Lord does take pleasure in your prosperity, amen? That means he desires for you to be fully supplied in all of your life, and all of your needs, wants, and desires met. Uh, and is that all there is to life there's way more to life than just getting the next toy amen but if there's things that you need or want or desire the lord is perfectly fine with providing that for you amen he no, i didn't write that he wrote that amen uh, and so let's pray and thank the lord for the opportunity to give today so father we thank you we come to you in faith thanking you for your word that that you do uh take pleasure in our prosperity father because when we're prosperous then we can help others when we're prosperous we can go all the world and preach the gospel father we thank you for these things, Lord. We thank you that as we give, that, uh, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, so many give into our bosom. So we give, Father, by faith. We give, Father, as, as cheerful givers, thanking that you've blessed us and increased us, Father, to be able to give. And so we give you the praise and the honor for these in Jesus' name, amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. Uh, so don't forget, we have a uh, uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock, and um, uh, I was going to remind you again the... Uh, uh, the Bible reading schedule is on the back table there and um, uh, if you're you know, under 70 years old they do make electronic devices right they have Bibles on them uh, and if you're over 70 you know we'll, we'll let you read you uh, of course I got my Bible there too my physical Bible there but uh, I'm just messing with you uh, the, I'm just saying they got plenty of apps if you want to use an app to track your Bible reading schedule that's fine too right but the, we do print it out there just for your benefit and we just got the, the New Testament some people read the the whole Bible every year, and that's great, right? Uh, And so uh, you can't read the Bible enough. I don't believe you can read the Bible too much, amen? And so those uh, printouts are in the back table. So uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, uh, You're dismissed.